It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now, here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all Welcome to it. It is a hot day edition of the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Romp along with Adam Lundy, and we have got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Another big show on the way as we... I mean, this is almost a pseudo-extended pregame with bonus features into the Macedons and Youngstown State because we start the pregame with Macedons and Youngstown State at 6.15. Boy, imagine the Sports Rush Chopper is going to have to really be flying today. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't, know if it can, I don't know if it can get there in 15 minutes, but I Ooh. guess we're, we're going to find out, right, at 6 o'clock because we, yeah. uh, we've got a 15-minute break between... The Sports Rush and Mastodon's Basketball. The pregame show starts at 6.15, the tip at 6.30, as the Dons take on a really good Youngstown State team today. Uh, tonight, Youngstown is 11-5 and overall. They are 8-1 and at home. Uh, they are 3-2 and in the conference, which is kind of like everybody in the conference, except uh, about three teams. Mastodon's 4-1 and and so far, through five games of conference play, the Mastodons are the only team in the Horizon League that has just one loss. Now, earlier today, Green Bay played IUPUI. Somebody explained to me, is IUPUI trying to hide their, their miserable play from the public? Because they played today at noon. Uh, I mean, that's almost like Mad Ants basketball down there, right? <laughs> uh, we'll play it in an empty arena so no one notices if we're good or bad, uh, but IUPUI played Green Bay. Green Bay has been one of the surprises of the uh, of the Horizon League so far this season because they were, well, they were not good last year. They were not good the year before, and uh, this year, much better team. And so, uh, uh, Green Bay, IUPUI, trying to get a quick score update. Of course, that game would have ended earlier today. And Green Bay got a 68-58 win over the Jaguars. So already, Green Bay has matched the Mastodons in the win column. So the Mastodons, if they do not get the job done against Youngstown State, we don't want to think like that. But if they don't, then the Mastodons and Green Bay would be tied at 4-2. and two. You also have Wright State taking on Robert Morris. You've got Northern Kentucky and Oakland tonight. I think Northern Kentucky and Oakland are a couple of three and two teams in league play as well. Uh, and so uh, actually Oakland's four and two already. So uh, Oakland's got a chance if the Mastodons lose tonight to take over first place because Oakland would be five and two and the Mastodons would be four and two. So tonight's game, 
protecting the first place spot in the Horizon League standings for the Mastodons. But as we saw last night, winning games in conference on the road can be a bit difficult. Oh, yeah. To say the least, Indiana and Purdue, losers last night on the road in Big Ten play. I tell you what, Indiana has so many problems. It's like we only have a two-hour show to try to talk about them. But it starts with Mike Woodson. He's not getting the job done, plain and simple. I mean, you look at this team, and they're, they look flat, not prepared, not connected. It, it, you know, they make mistakes that maybe you can forgive in the first game, two or three of the season. But uh, even he threw himself under the bus last night. I mean, you know, even he said some things after the game that, uh, to me, are indictments against him. I mean, when when you say that we're making some silly turnovers by driving into traffic, driving into congested space, okay, isn't that what coaching is supposed to stop? I mean, by, by this time, for crying out loud, you've been with these guys for six or seven months you should have those types of things corrected. They should understand when they penetrate, what they're looking for, what is good space versus bad space. In fact, I can just tell you, the limited number of practices that I have gone to with the Mastodons, that is a phrase I hear almost every practice, hunt good space. And these guys understand when they're driving what is good space? What is bad space? Bad space is when you get yourself in a position where you could get double or triple teamed and not be able to get an easy play out of it. Bad space is exactly what Indiana drives into. When you drive maybe to the baseline and you know you're dribbling right into traffic where you could get double teamed and even have the baseline as a third defender. Or you get caught right in the middle of the paint. And you don't really have a shooter to kick it out to or you hold on to the ball too long where they can get hands on it, make it a very difficult pass out of the middle of the lane. Indiana makes so many mistakes fundamentally, and you've got to point at coaching. And yes, I saw these comments on social media and you're absolutely right. Dane Fife had it figured out after one year of coaching with Mike Woodson. And I think Dane Fife wanted to do some things differently, maybe even do some things better, maybe do some things more fundamentally, maybe do some things that fit the college game a little bit better or fit college athletes a little better. You know, this he's not coaching the NBA G League Ignite. This is not an all-prospects type coaching job. This is not... Montverde Academy, or Montverde, I don't know how to even pronounce it. I just know it's where all the studs in high school seem to go to play. But, uh, you know, Mike Woodson has to be better. He's got to have his team more prepared for a game like Rutgers and, and for his team to go out and shoot four for 15 from the free throw line. Again, another tough night shooting the basketball, 7 of 26 from long range. That is just 27%, but the point is they took 26 of them. They don't have an identity because Mike Woodson hasn't established one. You know, at least last year, you knew that Trace Jackson Davis was going to be option number one. The ball was probably going to go through Trace Jackson Davis, and he was either going to shoot it, try to score it, 
or if they doubled him or you forced him into a position where maybe even they, they sent a third defender, he was a good enough passer to find a teammate, get it out of trouble, and then it was just a numbers game for IU. They don't have that type of symmetry. They don't have that type of connection right now. You know, I would say Malik Renew is probably the guy that you would want to have the touches. But you had three players that had as many or more shots than Malik Renew last night. Renew was six for ten. You had Khalil Ware at five for ten. Mackenzie Mbako continues to launch. He was four for eleven, but three for eight. Took eight three-point tries. Although making three of them is not a bad percentage, but still, he's not option one. He hasn't earned that. And then you had uh, Trey Galloway, another miserable night for Galloway, just four for 13, 0 for 4 from distance. And he was responsible for two of the free throw misses, going over two at the free throw line. Galloway finished with just eight points as the Hoosiers fall to Rutgers, 66 to 57. Now, what's you know, what's amazing is Purdue, if you look at the score and just take the score on the surface, you've got Purdue getting beat by 16 points as the number one team in the country at Nebraska. And then you've got Indiana getting beat by nine at Rutgers. And here we are taking our shots at Indiana. And the reality is Purdue didn't have a terrible game. Nebraska, credit to them. They played lights out. I don't think Rutgers played that well last night. They certainly didn't shoot the ball well, 32.3% from the field and only 22.7% from three. If you look statistically at these numbers, there is no way Indiana should have lost the basketball game. They shot better from the field. They shot better from the three-point line. And they got beat. 51 rebounds, 19 offensive rebounds for Rutgers. That's a hustle play. That's a hustle stat. You give up 19 offensive rebounds, and it wasn't just one guy. You know, it's not like one guy got nine or ten of them. He just was dominant against his man. No, you had a guy with three, another guy with three, another guy with two, another guy with two, another guy with two, another guy with two. I mean, everybody was chipping in, banging the boards, and Indiana, as a collective unit, did not box out. 19 offensive rebounds. Indiana out-rebounded 51-40. to That's a hustle stat. Uh, you look at uh, turnovers. Indiana turned it over 18 times, five of them by Xavier Johnson. And that might not even be the worst stat he had last night. His worst stat might be the dumb, flagrant two that got himself kicked out of the ball game because he, well, you know. Yeah, not a good way to say what he did exactly you know uh, basically little... a cup check for one of the other players <laughs> yeah oh goodness yeah it was it, you know if indiana isn't embarrassed enough already they should be very embarrassed right now to put on that kind of a performance and to lose what should have been a very winnable game especially when you take on a i mean it's one thing if rutgers played well but Rutgers didn't play well. Shot 34% in the first half, only 30% in the second half. That's a very winnable road game. And Indiana gets beat by nine. You know, it, it, it they just four for 15 from the free throw line. Got to be better. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. These guys are on scholarship. Is there not a minimum number? 
<laughs> Does a scholarship not come with something that's higher than uh, than 27% at the free throw line? Oh, goodness. But then you look at, at Purdue. What happened to Purdue? They ran into a red-hot Nebraska team that just plays off emotion. And, you know, last night we had the Mastodon's Coaches Show. Got a chance to talk to women's basketball coach Marie Marcasano. And one of the questions I asked was about the contagiousness of shooting. And what you're seeing with Nebraska is a case in point. Soon as one guy starts hitting, everybody's launching. And everybody for Nebraska was hitting. And I felt like this is deja vu. I just saw this play out on Saturday at the Coliseum against Wright State. Yeah, we got to. I was just going to say, we got a good text on the text line, 46862. They said Nebraska would have beaten anyone in the country last night. They might have. They might have. They were very, very good. And I thought Purdue gave effort. I thought Purdue didn't play poorly. I just thought Nebraska had a very well-coached game. Credit to that. I'm not going to say that Matt Painter got out-coached because every coach looks looks better <laughs> when their team is hitting uh, 18, or I'm sorry, uh, when they're hitting 14 three-pointers, you know, and when, they, and when they're hitting 14 out of 23 three-pointers, the coaches look like geniuses, you know, that, <laughs> uh, you know, nothing makes a coach look good faster than a team that's hitting 61% of their threes. But, you know, they were ready to play. They were looking for a bounce back after getting a big loss at Wisconsin. Uh, and, and, you know, again, Purdue's got the target on their back. Absolutely. And, and so Nebraska decided to play out of their minds. And that's what Purdue is going to get. I mean, Purdue's going to get teams. They're going to play the best game that that team is going to play all year long because they are going to put more focus, more energy into that basketball game because Purdue's the number one team in the country, and they've got a chance to make some history. And so last night you saw a Nebraska team that that hit 51% from the field, 61% from three, and uh, 16 of 19, 84% for the free throw line. They, uh, you know, now they got out-rebounded by, uh, by Purdue. But Nebraska turned it over just nine times, forcing Purdue into 14 turnovers. That's five additional possessions right there. Uh, Nebraska ended up running away with this game late. And, you know, this game was, what, four or five points I think uh, I think it was a two point game with like 13 minutes left. It was anybody's contest. Purdue got down early. Purdue came back, made it 54-52 on a couple of Zach Eady free throws with 13-24 remaining on the clock, and then Purdue got outscored 34 to 20 the rest of the way. By the way, you know how many Big Ten teams uh, have a winning road record at this point? Is it none? It would be one out of the entire conference. One team has a road record over 500. I mean, that's 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 what it is. I mean, it's now here's the other thing. And we'll talk more about this coming up later in the show. But one of the issues with not playing well on the road is you don't play road games and test yourself early in the season. So for a lot of these teams like Purdue, the only true, really crazy road environments they've played in have been Northwestern and Nebraska. And guess what? They lost because, the, you know, they've not played in those types of atmospheres and, and experiences. You look at the Big Ten and look at how many road games they've played. Most of them play maybe one game in their non-conference schedule on the road. A couple of them played two. But, but most yeah. of them... 
Most of them played like one road game. Right. And that's probably a pretty selective, you know, maybe a made-for-TV game or, you know, something where it takes it takes a lot to pry them out of their home arena in November and December. And so what happens in January? you got to go play road conference games. You're not accustomed to playing in front of road crowds that are giving that kind of atmosphere like you saw at Nebraska or the atmosphere that you saw at Rutgers. Uh, and even when the team plays poorly, uh, you feel like you're outnumbered. And, and for Indiana, they played poorer than a poor Rutgers team. And that's almost inexcusable. Yeah, I just keep going back to how they lost by nine, but they missed 11 free throws. <laughs> they didn't even have to be perfect from the line, but if they made no. a good majority, they could have easily won. And I don't know, were any of those front ends of one-on-ones? I'm not sure. Uh, because it might have been that they could have maybe missed a couple of front ends and ended up with a couple of more points. Now, somebody that was locked into the game last night is probably going to give me that stat. <laughs> but uh, but the point is, uh, that coaching staff's got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. The, the, they've got player development issues. They've got chemistry issues. There's no question in my mind that this team is not a well-bonded team. This, this is not a team that uh, would do anything for every teammate they've got. Now, there's guys they resent. There's guys they don't get along with. There's guys that the differences are rec- irreconcilable. They, they, that it's not a, it's not a team that was, you know, Matt Painter talks about his recruiting philosophy, and that the first thing they look for is guys that uh, that want to come in and be part of Purdue, not guys that want Purdue to be part of them. Uh, you don't, you know, you don't, the name on the front of the Jersey has to mean more than the name on the back. And I, I think right now you've got two, three players that the name on the back of the Jersey means everything to them. They're using Indiana to make their name bigger and better. And, uh, you know, and they think Indiana is the path to the NBA and greater things. They're not there because they want to see Indiana basketball win basketball games. No, they're there because they want to see themselves cash in with a professional career and a big paycheck someday. And they think Indiana's the best path to do that. And winning games, ah, hell with that. We don't have to win games. I've just got to be a stud and get drafted. That's it. And that's almost the way Indiana's approaching this. They play well at home because they don't embarrass themselves right face-to-face in front of somebody. So they play well at home. They go on the road, ah, let's get this over with. Let's get back home. I got my my babe to go back and see in Bloomington, so let's hurry up and get this game over with. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the attitude you see from Indiana. Four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Four six eight six two. Give us your thoughts on Purdue or Indiana. Love to hear what's on your sports brain today. Four six eight six two. Uh, still coming up, we're going to be talking to Dylan Sin later this hour. Hour number two, Destin Adams weighs in. His thoughts on how the Colts season ended, his thoughts on the season as a whole, and where do the Colts go moving forward? they got a lot of decisions they've got to make as uh, they look forward to 2024. All right, let's go ahead and get caught up. Today's top headlines, here they come with Adam Lundy. 
All right, thanks, Brett. Well, after 14 seasons, 10 playoff appearances, and the franchise's lone Super Bowl championship, Pete Carroll is out as the Seahawks coach and will move into an advisory role, team owner Jody Allen announced today. Allen said in a statement that that the decision was made, quote, after thoughtful meetings and careful consideration for the best interest of the franchise. Okay, Uh, by the end of the show, over under, does Pete Carroll end up the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers? (laughs) You know, if, if I'm the Chargers, I'm seriously considering that. Because, I, I mean, I think Carroll's going to cost you money, yes. I think he's going to cost you less because I think he'll want to be there. And I think with, if you went for a guy like Harbaugh, which has also been rumored that they, you know, they may have an interest or... I, I mean, I really don't know if it's just the media telling us there's interest. But if I'm the Los Angeles Chargers and I can lock down Pete Carroll, I know he's a defensive coach, but I still think... He brings credibility to that franchise, and I, again, they're 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 getting rid of some pretty darn good coaches who've had some pretty good careers. Guys, guys like Mike Vrabel, yeah, Pete Carroll, yeah. I mean, Mike Tomlin is safe, right? I mean, maybe you <laughs> know the now. Steelers have been one of the most loyal organizations, so I can't imagine that Mike Tomlin's going to go. But there's been some good coaches that have uh, been shown the door. And Pete Carroll, I think, is among them. Absolutely. Kawhi Leonard signed a three-year, $153 million contract extension to remain with the Los Angeles Clippers. The deal will pay Leonard $52 million in the first year and approximately $50 million per season over the next two years. The extension does not include a player option. And after the success of its quarterback docuseries, Netflix is branching out to the NBA. The streaming service is creating a new docuseries that will feature the lives of LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Edwards, and DeMontis Sabonis. Who's producing that? Netflix. Huh. Is I, that's kind of along the lines of what Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions has tried to do with this quarterback stuff. And Yeah. Uh, and now they're doing it in basketball. Last story, keeping an eye on the coaching carousel in the NFL. The latest team who have had their coaching interview requests aired publicly is the Tennessee Titans. So far, they've requested interviews with Raiders interim coach Antonio Pierce, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, and Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. Is there any one of those four names that you think is an upgrade over Mike Vrabel? No. No. No, sometimes it's like, careful what you wish for, because you get rid of the guy, now you're out to look for the replacement, thinking you're going to take a step forward and get a coach, as the owner was saying, the coach we want. <laughs> I mean, I heard that 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 interview that she did, and I thought, it's very insulting to Mike Vrabel, because it sounded like they were really done with him, and almost wanted to, you know, jump up and down on his grave, you know, it, it was just, I, I don't know, I, I thought... It went over the top as far as, you know, we want to, you know, we want to move forward with a coach that we want here in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? You, you, you done with Vrabel? That simple? They're done. Oh, man. All right. Uh, four, six, eight, six, two questions, comments or suggestions. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. And look at here. We've got a four pack of Shrine Circus vouchers. You can get some tickets, a four pack. For the circus coming to the Coliseum January 26th through 28th. Um, and I, I, we've got to come up with something clever here. What, what is the circus 
let's go acrobats. Is that, or should we go trapeze? Which word do you think is is better, acrobats or trapeze? I like acrobats. Okay, we'll go with acrobats. And if you don't want to type acrobats, just type trapeze. <laughs> we'll take either one. Uh, that will be today's key word. So if you'd like to win the four-pack of Shrine Circus vouchers, text us acrobats or trapeze. The 46862 on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. By the way, I didn't realize until after the show was over last night, Sparty was our winner yesterday. So congratulations to Sparty, one of our uh, loyal listeners. Always appreciate him with his kind comments. And uh, he ended up being our, our random winner yesterday. So if you'd like to win, text us now. The word to text is acrobats. Somebody wants to know, how do I spell the keyword, dog? <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Because, see, there's two ways you win with keywords here. And just to give you a behind-the-scenes peek, one is you have to type the word in, spell it right, and then get linked to a contest page, right? And that's the one where we always run into trouble because we use one of those words, then everybody that texts us ends up being directed a different direction than our studio text line, and they end up with a link and, and all this. The other way you win is we make up a word that doesn't give you a link. You text it to us. We see it. And so if it just looks like you've tried, uh, you know, then it's close enough. Yeah, I'll make it real easy. I mean, A-C-R-O-B-A-T-S. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's acro and then bats like baseball, right? A-C-R-O, bats. And then you also have trapeze. That one's a little bit tougher, nah, I think. it's T-R-A-P-E-Z-E. There you go. Trapezius muscle. It's trap with an ease. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Time for the that, next segment. That narrowed it down. <laughs> Let's get doing it. <laughs> 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine. Text line 46862. Well, coming up on the show, I'm going to tell you why we should feel good about the cold season. I know a lot of people are disappointed. A lot yeah. of people are angry, right? There, I mean, there's some anger. There's some frustration. There's some disappointment. We should, at this point, put it all aside. Because, to be quite honest, the Colts never should have been in a position to make it that close. And we should now take a step back and appreciate what the Colts actually accomplished this year and some of the positives that came out of 2023 that the Colts can look forward to moving forward in in 2024 and there's plenty of positives that came out of this season and we'll talk about a few of those also the big news that you heard on our update pete carroll out in seattle where does he land next i just think that if the chargers aren't already on the phone with pete carroll then somebody fell asleep at the wheel out in los angeles uh also caitlin clark Selling out. She's like the Taylor Swift right now, right? Wherever she goes, just sells out arenas. <laughs> the Taylor Swift of college basketball. I mean, I don't know if she's feeding the hungry like Taylor Swift does, but <laughs> Caitlin Clark, uh, she is uh, basically a Mackey Arena sold out. I know there was just a handful of tickets, and I think it was. They are. Yeah, they Mackey are sold out. Yep. Officially sold out now. Uh, so Caitlin Clark has sold out Mackey Arena. You know what else? Caitlin Clark sold out. Simon Scott Assembly Hall next week. There you go. <laughs> I think it's next week when uh, Iowa plays Indiana. I think it's next Thursday because it's the national TV. Is it next Thursday, national TV game? Uh, and that, that'll that be a good one. 
Yeah, so everywhere she goes, she's basically selling on arenas. So she is making money, not just for Iowa. She's making money for other women's basketball programs in ticket sales. Uh, tonight, Iowa is at Purdue. All right, we'll take a break. we got to talk to Dylan Sin from the Journal-Gazette. He, uh, of course, follows college basketball. We're going to get his take on what happened to both Indiana and Purdue. Last night, Dylan Sid joins us next here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Last night, a lost night in Big Ten College basketball for the teams from the Hoosier State. Both Purdue and Indiana with road losses. And like I said earlier, these Power 5, Power 6 conference teams, I mean, they just do not go on the road. And then when they have to in conference play and you get these crazy environments because you've got a target on your back or, you know, Rutgers with that small arena that's right up on the floor. And then you go to uh, Northwestern's kind of the same way and you have a road trip out to Nebraska where they've all of a sudden decided they're a basketball state. Because I don't know if you've seen a Nebraska football game lately, but maybe Nebraska is actually a women's volleyball state because of the way they drew to women's volleyball. But Last night, Indiana loses at Rutgers, uh, Purdue loses to Nebraska, but two completely different games and reasons for different outcomes. Last night, Mike Woodson was questioned about some of the coaching decisions, and I don't think he really is thrilled to have the questions, but he did try to give an answer. One of the biggest questions that fans were asking tonight on social media was, why were four starters out at the same time versus sort of like maybe rolling them through? If I'm not going to sit here and... and answer that question and when it comes to the fans or you i elected to go to my bench which i've done this season and i've gotten some good results here and there and tonight they didn't kill us but they let them back in the game do you know when you put four non-starters on the floor together that would be called exhibition season that's like at the very beginning before you actually start, you try some lineups to see how guys blend together. Or maybe it's, you know, that game against Moorhead State or something. It is not when you're on the road in the Big Ten at Rutgers and trying to fight an uphill battle. It just, uh, all right, let's get Dylan Sin. He's joining us. He's on our uh, Sports Rush guest line right now. Dylan, we saw two losses, obviously both disappointing. The team that lost by about half what the other team lost by is actually the one that I think it played the worst. And it isn't even about just how they played. It's about how they were coached. I thought it was just a devastating night for the program of Indiana basketball. What were your thoughts last night? Yeah, they were the better team for most of that game. That, I know that's ridiculous to say because they lost the game. It wasn't wasn't particularly close at the end, but I mean there was there was it was one of the best defensive performances that Indiana put on the entire year. I love the way they played defense for most of the game. Now you just played the sound from Mike Woodson. You're absolutely right. I don't agree with his substitution pattern. I think it is. I think and the teams have more depth. I think that it's a huge mistake to be doing that. Um, and, but I do think that Indiana should have won that game. And if they played out, if they played Rutgers on the road ten times, they would probably win five to six of them 
because last night they kept getting good shots and nothing went in, and then they also kept getting fouled and didn't make any free throws. And I don't know how much of that is coaching. I, I, I think that there was just – there's something about playing in the Rutgers that you guys don't like, the, the Rutgers or Rangers. And if, I, I, if it's a tough night, don't get me wrong, you got to win that game. I don't think it was any kind of – I don't think. It is a uh, uh, yeah, I don't. Hey, hey, Dylan, I, I'm sorry, man, but that that the phone is such a bad connection. It's going in out. We're having trouble even even following. We'll have to uh, uh, we'll try to connect with you and see if maybe you get into a better area or something because I know you're on the road. But uh, we'll have to rejoin Dylan later because that uh, yeah, that's going to get too tough to listen to if it keeps cutting in and out. And I know Adam, you're trying to do your best to monitor. Uh, when the when the line was cutting and potted up, and then then the line came in strong, we had to try to pot it down. That's just too much work. Uh, sometimes the phones just don't cooperate. Four six eight six two is Parfus Sports Medicine text line. We're giving away Shrine Circus four pack of tickets. We've got vouchers that we would love to give to you. Maybe you can take the kids, the grandkids, the family. A four-pack of Shrine Circus vouchers that we're giving away on today's show. That means by the end of the show, we're going to randomly select one of our entries to win this four-pack. And all you have to do is text ACROBATS to 46862. What is something that you can see at the circus? You can see the uh, high-wire acts, the acrobats. So we have chosen today's keyword to be acrobats. We also are challenging our audience to check on your spelling. Acrobats, A-C-R-O-B-A-T-S. Acrobats, that's today's keyword. So go ahead and text it to us at 46862 on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, and you'll be in the running for the four-pack of tickets giving away, given away on today's show. Coming up a little bit later, we're about an hour and a half from pregame time as we'll be on the air with Mastodon's basketball at Youngstown State. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's you don't want one loss to become two, but when the two teams you play, and, and Wright State is a really legit basketball team, and the Dons fell in that game at home, 106 to, to 98. Now they go on the road, and what's next on their schedule is a very tough trip to a difficult place to play at the Beagley Center, where they'll take on Youngstown State, who happens to be 11-5 and this year. Eight and one on their home floor. They're three and two in uh, the Horizon League, and uh, one of the two losses was a home loss to Oakland. Now, that's team the Dons beat ninety-eight to seventy-seven earlier this year, uh, but that means nothing. That was a month and a half ago. So tonight it is a big one for the Mastodons to try to bounce back after the loss, try to maintain first place in the conference. It's basically a spot that they have held from the time conference play began back at the end of November because they won their first four in league play. Now they're four and one. They're the only team that doesn't have at least two losses. And so they can stay all alone in first place with a win tonight. 630 will be the tip against the Youngstown State Penguins. Very interesting in doing prep for this game because uh, there's only about two names on the roster that were holdovers from a year ago. Uh, John Lovelace, he is a sophomore 6'7 wing. And uh, Brandon Rush, who transferred there a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that can really shoot it from outside. Left-handed shooter, 6'3 guard. Uh, he is a fifth-year uh, COVID holdover, playing his extra year of eligibility. 
But uh, other than that, I mean, they get transfers from Merrimack. They get a transfer from Toledo, a transfer from Tennessee Tech, a transfer from Northern Kentucky. In fact, here's the thing. They picked up two transfers from Northern Kentucky. I want to see Youngstown State play Northern Kentucky. In fact, I think uh, ESPN does, too, because ESPN picked that game up for their national telecast. Uh, I bet there's a little bit of bad blood there, a little uh, rivalry when you uh, take two transfers from one of your conference opponents. But uh, they took a point guard and they took a big man, a seven-footer and a five-nine point guard. You can't get more of the bookends than that. No. And then, uh, then they've got another transfer who starts from Murray State. Uh, so they they went out, used the transfer portal, and really maxed out on the transfer portal. And so it's a bunch of transfer portal guys against the Mastodons. Of course, the Dons didn't do too bad in the portal either. Guys like Rashid Bello, Jalen Jackson. <laughs> Uh, you know, they're not doing too bad either. I was just going to say the Don's maxed out getting Maximus Nelson. Max <laughs> Nelson, yeah, <laughs> off the bench. Uh, Nelson, the 6'8", sophomore, kind of a reserve four-man who can play the five as an undersized five. Uh, he's been shooting it really well, 42% from beyond the arc this season out of Appleton, Wisconsin. And you know, it's really cool. His parents, so supportive. I think his parents have been to almost every game. That's awesome. I'd say every game if I could confirm that, but it just seems like doesn't matter where we go. I look up in the stands, and among the the Mastodon supporters, there's his parents, and uh, and 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 they even came to the Thanksgiving family meal. Which, other than uh, Jalen Jackson's family that was there, there weren't a lot of families in town because if you remember, the Dons played in San Francisco the night before, right? Um, and so uh, it was it was really really. Kind of cool to see that uh, that Max's family is is so supportive, not only of him but of the Mastodons. But uh, tonight, six fifteen pregame, six thirty tip, Mastodons versus Youngstown State. All right, so why should we feel good about the Colts, even though the season ended miserably, even though we can critique what happened on that final fourth and one, uh, and we can go on and on and say what if, what could have happened, the woulda, coulda, shouldas. But the reality is, if you look back at the entire picture of this season, the Colts accomplished a lot of things we never expected that they would accomplish. And we never thought that they would be in a position to have a fourth and one and be in in a position, regardless of the opponent, where if they could win a football game, they could get in the playoffs. In fact, if they could win a football game, they could win the AFC South since Jacksonville fell flat on their face. And what happened during this season? There were some positives. First of all, for for maybe the first time ever, I feel really good about some of the Colts draft picks this past year. Uh, Freeland, Josh Downs, Juju Brents. I mean, all those guys were significant contributors. Freeland got called on to to be a backup in the offensive line, and he ended up having to play because of the injuries to Braden Smith. Then you had Josh Downs, who became a very valuable slot receiver, and, uh, and and a return man as the season ran on late in the season. Juju Brents, unfortunately, a couple of injuries kind of limited, I think, what he could do. But when he was out there, you know, the best thing about a guy that plays corner is we don't talk about him too much <laughs> because <laughs> he's he's like the, uh, you know, the umpire or the referee. When you're when that's what your your headline is and that's what you're talking about, it probably is not good news. And so. You want to kind of go unnoticed because that means your guy's not making a bunch of catches. You're not getting burned. And Juju Brents, I thought, held up 
uh, his end of the bargain as one of the Colts' top picks. And uh, and so I, I kind of felt like, you know what, they, they got a, a running back in, what, the sixth round? He got hurt, like, at the very beginning of the game, of the season. But I really felt like uh, uh, the Colts had a pretty good draft last year. And what we saw this past season uh, kind of showed that. And there were signs that maybe the best pick of them all was Anthony Richardson. Uh, he showed his versatility, that he's able to run with the football, make quick decisions. He's got a strong arm. Uh, his technique, hopefully, he's only going to get better. And and we hope that he comes back from the shoulder injury 100% with that same arm strength, which is a real uh, skill of his that he's got. Um, but But probably more than anything else, why we should be pleased with the direction of the Colts is because they've got the right coach. There is no doubt that what Shane Steichen did with this group of players and the amount of injuries they faced, that there are very few coaches that could have gotten this kind of job done. And yes, it's disappointing because it would have been kind of the exclamation point if you could have gotten to the playoffs. And I think for Shane Steichen, it would have guaranteed coach of the year or, or uh, you know, with, with what he could have done with this team. But but the bottom line is uh, you go forward and you feel like, you know what, the Colts have somebody who's in charge, knows what he's doing, uh, has just enough gambler in him that you can support it. Uh, he's, I mean, I thought he did a, a, a really solid job. Now, did he make mistakes? Yes, he's a first-year coach, and you kind of uh, expect that there'll be a mistake or two that they're going to learn from and get better from. Was uh, the personnel decision, you know, I'm not – my problem isn't the personnel and the play. My problem is that Taylor wasn't on the field. I think if you want to throw it to Goodson, that's fine, but you can't put Goodson in the game in place of Jonathan Taylor because you totally change the the pressure on the defense. They no longer expect or even anticipate a run. You know, you, you want to throw a surprise at the Houston defense, put Goodson in, and then hand it off up the middle of the field. See, see the surprise in the in the uh, Houston Texans defense because I guarantee you they would never expect that. But uh, but the fact that they took the threat of the run away to put in a pass catching running back to me might have been a mistake. I think you still keep the threat of the run out there, and the threat of the run was none other than Jonathan Taylor, and with him on the sideline. Houston didn't have to worry about the pressure of a running attack on that fourth down. They could they could pin their ears back. They could come after the quarterback. Uh, they could try to play tight press coverage, disrupt timing of, of routes, and uh, the guy was open. So ultimately, the play did work. It just wasn't executed. And uh, Gardner Minshew didn't make a good throw. And it was a little bit behind Tyler Goodson. Now, if you're the running back, you want to bail out a quarterback who makes a throw on the backside of the hip instead of the front side, and you want to be able to turn and catch that football. He didn't catch it. That ends the season, and that's disappointing. But there's a lot of promise and a lot to look forward to for the Indianapolis Colts. In fact, I think I think right now, if, if you're a Colts fan, you've got to be feeling better about where the organization is and where it's going than if you're a Bears fan who holds the number one pick in the draft. I mean, a lot of times that gives you reason for a lot of optimism. The problem is, what do the Bears do with number one if they're going to keep Justin Fields as their quarterback? 
because this is one of those years where there's not much doubt that the top two or three picks will be quarterbacks. And so if you're not planning on taking one, you've got to get out of that number one spot. Now, I think the guy for the Bears is going to be Marvin Harrison Jr., and that guy's probably going to be a third pick or a fourth pick. It just depends how the quarterbacks play out. You know, it's kind of like the Colts last year. Uh, you know, they had to pick their guy, and if their guy wasn't there, what would they have done? It's kind of a similar situation for the Bears. You don't want to fall too far down because you don't want to get out of a position where you can take Marvin Harrison. And uh, I think the the third or fourth pick is probably where the Bears would want to be, and they wouldn't want to go any further down than that if they trade out of number one. But if you're not going to take a quarterback, then I, I don't know why you keep the number one pick. Because then you're overdrafting whoever you're taking. Unless you just feel like whatever trade options are out there just aren't appealing enough. But there's no reason for me to believe you should stay at number one if you're not taking Caleb Williams, you're not taking Drake May, uh, whoever it might be that you think is the number one quarterback in this draft. I, th- I think it's be- I think it's between those two, and I think as we go through the combine and get closer to the draft, we're going to probably solidify that the top two players are Caleb Williams, Drake May, I think Michael Penix took himself out of consideration for a top five or top ten pick with his performance in the national championship game. Bo Nix, I never think what I never thought was up there. I thought, you know, he might be a ten to twelve type of guy. Somewhere ten to twelve would be a good pick range for a Bo Nix. Um, I, I bottom bottom line is, what are the Bears doing? What's their future? You know, here's the crazy thing. It looks like Matt Eberflus is going to be safe for the Bears because the Bears now are making coaching decisions on their staff. And I think the only reason you make coaching decisions is because you've decided the head coach is coming back. Otherwise, you hire the head coach and let him make the decisions. And they fire the offense coordinator, the fire the quarterbacks coach. And uh, and so all signs are that Matt Eberflus is coming back for the Chicago Bears. If you remember, when the Bears hired Matt Eberflus as their head coach, they were doing the Colts a favor. I mean, the Colts had to be overjoyed that there was a team asking permission to talk to Matt Eberflus. He was not great as a defensive coordinator for the Colts. And then the Bears wanted him as their head coach. And then you expect him to turn around a Bears offense when he's coached defense. It just, it hasn't worked with Matt Eberflus in Chicago. And the Bears, in my mind, are going nowhere until they make the change at head coach because they don't have the right guy. I don't care what wins and losses are. You don't have the right guy as your head coach. You know what the Bears have? They have a defensive version of Frank Reich. A guy that's just competitive enough to keep his job, but he never wins any championships. He just hangs hangs around, comes back. You've got you know continuity and consistency. But Matt Eberflus is kind of the defensive version of Frank Reich as a head coach. Four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line four six eight six two. Hour number two, we talk more Colts football. Destin Adams is going to join us from A to Z Sports. He'll be along about five twenty. 
Uh, also, looking ahead at some of the NFL matchups this week, it is a very intriguing weekend in the NFL. We'll talk about that more. Plus, we've got the tickets to give away, so if you haven't yet, now would be the time to text the word ACROBATS to 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862, text ACROBATS, and you'll be in the running to win the four-pack of Shrine Circus tickets. We've got vouchers that we will give away. You can pick which show you go to January 26th through 28th at the Memorial Coliseum. You're listening to the Sports Rush, hour number two next on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 